Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. And a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast for how you grow better today and in the future. As always, I am your host, Kip Bodner, CMO here at HubSpot. I am joined also, as always, by the man who is, I don't know, can you have a sugar high from like low sugar cereal? Is I guess that's my question for you, Kieran. You've been high on Magic Spoon for like the last week shoveling that cereal in but it's like super <laughs> low sugar so if you don't get a sugar high from sugar cereal what's the deal how's that work well first of all you need to know i have rules <laughs> what's your rules i do not have nice cereal during the week that is breaking one of my rules i'm only allowed nice cereal on a saturday so every other day i have oatmeal but i have oatmeal with some treats <laughs> so i have oatmeal some almond milk I have a variety of nuts, the best being toasted almond flakes. Then I have this no sugar, no grain chocolate granola that I mix in. So is, it, is that just cardboard then? <laughs> what is no sugar, no grain granola? <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, it's just cardboard and a chocolate color. That's a pretty great innovation. Just buy boxes and shop them up and, and just call it chocolate flavored. <laughs> you don't even need to color the boxes. <laughs> and then I have local honey because local honey is really good for allergies. I did go to a local food market and spend a lot of money on this local honey because I, I get hay fever. And I was like, oh, cool, this will help. Got all the way home and it was produced in Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> Your idea of treats make me like tear up a little bit. But at the same time, I am the person who eats the same thing for breakfast every day, which is like this not great tasting, but amazing for you oatmeal. Shout out Creature of Habits. It's like a subscription oatmeal thing that's like high protein, high vitamin D. Shout out to Creature of Habits who Kip literally just said product doesn't taste it, like It makes good. me feel amazing though. So it's like, it's the trade-off. Right. It's, it's a trade-off. Exactly. There's a two by two. It's, it's, it's the two by two. Speaking of two by twos, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we've got an amazing topic today. And that topic is all around perception. How you change the mindset and the consideration of your audience, of your customers around your business. That is such a critical and important part of marketing. And Kieran, I thought I'd start us off with a hot take. You ready for this? Yes. I love hot takes. Here's my take on perception. Every business drastically overvalues product marketing and drastically undervalues brand marketing. Businesses are obsessed about, oh, what's the value proposition? <laughs> and how can I write the best four paragraphs ever for my product page? That's awesome. It's important. 
I'm not saying you don't need to do that. I'm saying it's drastically overrated. There's no emotion in that. There is no like getting in the head of your buyer in that. How you get in the head of your buyer is through emotion. And most products are not inherently full of emotion. The story around your products are full of emotion. And that is what we're here to talk about today. So agree, disagree. Product marketing overrated, brand marketing underrated. What's your take, Karen? This comes back to the two by two when you had a really good take on transformational versus better mousetrap. Mm -hmm. Can you have a great brand story for a better mousetrap? Yeah. So let's try to describe that for the listeners, right? Let's do it. Two forms of businesses you can create. You can create a business that has a transformational message, which means that there is some societal change that's causing shifts in the world and your product helps facilitate those changes. There is better mousetrap, which is I am within a category of other companies and I have a better version of that product that solves those problems in better ways. And so when I think about that two by two, on one end transformational, on the other end better mousetrap, and then the other axis I have functional or aspirational. I think what you're saying is founders spend too much of their time in better mousetrap and functional messaging, which is around their product, Mm -hmm. and not enough time in transformational and aspirational, which is how do I be a better version of myself? What I struggle with is a transformational brand message with emotion for a better mousetrap business. Let's do this. I love this challenge. So first of all, when you think about product marketing, what you're really talking about is what category does your product exist in in the market? And are you playing an existing category or creating a new category? What is the value proposition of your product? Why do people care about it? Why would they buy your product? And third, how is that value proposition differentiated from any competition that is out there in the market? And then the fourth aspect of product marketing is how do you then take that product message to the market through your website, through salespeople, through automation, lots of different ways to do that, right? So that's kind of product marketing. Brand marketing is about the emotional benefit of your company and why your company exists and the way you want to make people feel, right? And you use that emotion to drive awareness, to drive consideration, to drive preference. And you're going to do that through remarkable storytelling delivered in remarkable ways. You don't just, you're not just, you know, plastering the internet with display advertisements. You're thinking about what is the emotional story you're trying to tell and how do you tell it? And how do you do that in different ways? So let me give you an example, everybody. Kieran, you challenged me with, how do you tell a transformational brand emotive story with a better mousetrap business? Let's think about one of the oldest businesses in the world. You know what that is? Mm. The business of sleep, mattresses. This is a good one. Since the beginning of time, humans have had to sleep. You could not have a better mousetrap business more so than this. And there are a lot of mattresses, a lot of sleep companies have come and gone. You know, I'm a big fan of what Francisco and the folks over 8sleep are doing because they are telling a transformational emotional brand story around sleep. How'd they do it? Let's break it down for everybody watching and listening. First, they decided what was going to be different about their sleep brand than the hundreds and thousands of other sleep brands in the world. What they decided on was performance. That, look, if you sleep well, you perform way better, whether that be at your job, the athletic event, what have you. Like, sleep is the most critical part of performance. And there's turns out there's a ton of data to back that up. And so they developed a better mousetrap product that was all around this idea of performance. And so then how do you actually bring that story to life around performance? Well, 
What are aspects of the world that you associate most with performance? One of the things that first pops into my mind is race cars, right? You're thinking about a high, high performance cars, high performance people driving these cars at incredibly insane speed. So they are a huge sponsor of F1 and F1 drivers. And they went out and, and made influencers and got a bunch of those drivers using their product, endorsing their products. And then they tell that story in a bunch of different ways. Like for Miami Tech Week, they had billboards floating off the coast in Miami. They had social stories about it. They're doing videos. They're doing original content, all of those things. And this is a startup. This isn't a $100 billion company doing a better mousetrap. This is like a Series A, B stage company. This is how you build a great brand with For a Better Mousetrap business. I think that is a great example because it gives our listeners anchoring on a specific thing, which is performance, and then how you can own that topic and then how you can be the product that facilitates that thing. If you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. One of the first rules of brand, and it becomes even more important in a better mousetrap style of business versus a transformational type of business is differentiation. And you have to be very clear on who you're for and who you're not. And once you have that core principle, then you can build your entire story and build your entire brand around that core principle because you also have to build your product around it too. And so differentiation becomes core here. I would argue they did one thing that is really important that was not in that story. And let me take you back to 1990 to explain what I think they did. So in 1994, the World Cup soccer was coming to the U.S. Yep. Football, as the rest of the world will call it. (laughs) Uh, Football. So World Cup coming to the United States of America, and they tried to figure out how they could make that really much more relevant to an audience, to their audience. What did they do? They decided to change the game, change the rules of the game they were playing within. The way they did that was widen the goals. They widened the goals to make sure there were more goals. Why is that applicable to HDP? I feel like they didn't just build a better mousetrap business because building a better mousetrap business would just be maybe a more comfy mattress, like some sort of variation of a mattress. What they did was they changed the rules of the game by saying that your body temperature is an integral piece to you actually having a comfortable sleep and that actually aids your position. So I don't know if I would say they were a better mousetrap business because they actually redefined how they built that product. I'm going to completely disagree with you. They took existing things and put them into one thing. They did the iPhone for a bet. Is that not category creation? No, it's better mousetrap. It's all these things existed. Basically what they did for everybody listening is they took a memory foam mattress, made it slightly better. They took temperature controlled mattress toppers, which existed. You could buy all over the place, but that the sleep category did not think were important and were just a kind of a luxury add on. Mm. And then they took sleep tracking and sleep technology with largely existed in the fitness tracking category. And they said, wait, I'm just going to put all those three things together and I'm going to tell a new story around sleep that is anchored in performance. Okay. They created a better mousetrap within sleep. Yeah, that's true. They made a better mousetrap through aggregation. They made a better mousetrap through aggregation, but they did redefine how you think about sleep in that you start to become more aware of, oh, body temperature matters. This can cool or heat me down. Just so everybody understands what Kieran's talking about right now, where they build a story around better sleep and performance, that is on the edge of product marketing and brand marketing. Right. It's where those two things hand off because you're, you're talking about these product benefits, but in a pretty abstract way. You're talking about them 
in terms of how they make the user feel than like, oh, you need to sleep at this specific temperature. And the more you get closer to a value proposition of a specific part of the product, that's where you get closer to product marketing. Okay, Kieran, I got another perception topic for you, Kieran. You ready for this? Let's go. Okay, I got an email from a founder who listens to the show. His name is Kishore. He's the co-founder of Goldcast, goldcast goldcast.io, which is digital event marketing platform for lead gen and B2B companies. So if you're a B2B business, you're looking for an event platform, check out goldcast.io, shout out Goldcast, shout out Kishore. Here's what he said. He said, Kip, I just binged a few episodes of your latest podcast. Love the vibe of these episodes. I have a request for a podcast episode. By the way, thanks for the pandering, Kishore. Always appreciate it. I have a request for a podcast episode, which I think a lot of founders will find useful. If you and Kieran can discuss tactics, playbooks of companies who are trying to overcome perception problem, that would be huge. Especially if you can get tactical details like actual campaigns that early stage companies did to shake the incumbents, that would be awesome. All right. You ready for that, Kieran? Love it. Let's go. I also, I, I think we should do a little lightweight version of half-baked marketing ideas here for him. And we should give Goldcast some specific ideas here. Don't you think? I do. I think this will be incredibly valuable because this is what I get asked all the time. Right. How do you change perception when you don't have a lot of capital or you have limited amounts of capital, right? Like that's the root of his, his problem because it was kind of rooted in early stage company. It's one thing to change perception when you're a big giant company. It's much different when you're a smaller company. What is your take on where you would start if you were Goldcast? If you were a smaller company, where you start on perception really, truly matters. Before we even get into examples, I want to, yes, and when you're thinking about perception and you have limited resources, the best way to do that is to say the universal truth of your audience that they're not saying. Like, let me repeat that again. Your audience believes or feels something. That might be counterintuitive to your company or business, but if you say it out loud, it's better. So in the early days of Zoom, which is in the meeting space, they said meetings don't have to suck. Meet happy, right? Like they knew how bad meetings were and they talked about that right on. Like if I'm the Goldcast folks, right? Like if you and I are co-CMOs of Goldcast, which will we'll be here for a few minutes. One of the things I would say is I don't need another B2B event, Right. Like look about the, this proliferate of B2B events that are out there. You would expect Goldcast to come out and say, great, here's like 10 tips for having a better B2B event. They're going to say that and everybody else is going to say that and they're going to have zero differentiation. What you have to do to be successful as a business in the early stage to differentiate is to tell your audience the hard truth that they know that they want some company to believe with them. And so if I was the gold cast folks, I would say, hey, you're doing too many events. I would take the complete opposite stance. Agree, disagree with me, Karen. Yes. So I agree, like taking the opposite helps you to differentiate because not being with the crowd always helps you to differentiate from the crowd. What I would argue, not argue back, if I was a founder, what I would probably ask you is, I'm a small company in a market with many dollars and I have few dollars. Yes. And I think the thing I immediately go to is like, okay, like I can actually come up with a differentiated message. Mm -hmm. 
but trying to land a differentiated message is much harder than trying to land a message that is commonly believed by the audience, right? Trying to change someone's perception is much easier than just trying to reinforce a perception they have. It takes me less advertising dollars to reinforce their perception they have mm-hmm. and that I'm an answer for that solution or that problem that they have in their mind versus trying to completely change how they think about something. So I would immediately go to, wow, Kip, that is like a great piece of advice. Be on the opposite end of the spectrum, take the opposing view, separate myself from the crowd. But I would say, wow, do I not need millions of dollars? Like, do I not need to be able to outspend competitors to be able to shift that perception within the market? And I'm curious what you think about that. And I have some some kind of commentary on it as well. Let's let's reset for everybody listening. Goldcast is a B2B events platform. Their job is to help marketers throw better events, right? And get better business value from those events. That's awesome. Kira and I are going to be their co-CMOs now. And for the next 10 minutes, we're co-CMOs of Goldcast. What I'm advocating for is when you are smaller, a smaller organization, your story has to do more work because you have less budget. When you're trying to build a brand and change perception, you kind of have two levers. How differentiated and remarkable is the story I'm telling and how much how differentiated and remarkable is the budget, the money I have to spend to yeah. get that story to market. And what you're, you're saying, Karen, is like, oh, when you're really limited in that budget lever, like, what do you do on the story side? And on the story side, you have to get to a universal truth that nobody's actually talking about. You know, and uh, let me talk to you about how we did this in the early days of HubSpot. In the early days of HubSpot, there was a notion that we came up with called inbound marketing. And I will remember to the day I die what the 10 slide story for inbound marketing looked like. Right. And that's all it was. It was 10 slides. I could hear Brian's voice in my head saying it right. I, I can see the slide with the magnet. I can see the slide that people don't pick up their phones anymore. People are fast forwarding TV commercials. But what you need is a five minute story, 10 slides that get people's head nodding. And for HubSpot, that was, oh, the way you're doing marketing right now isn't effective because the world has changed. People are basically ignoring your interruptive marketing, your TV commercials, your cold calling, your yellow pages ads. Keep in mind, this is like almost 20 years ago. And there's a new, better way. And you can create content, you can go to your customer directly and do things very differently. And as soon as we told that story, you'd always get the head nod. And the more head nods you get, the less dollars you need, right? Because that story deeply resonates and it will resonate so much that it will generate word of mouth for your business, right? And what I'm trying to do for the Keyshore and the folks at Goldcast is tell them that they need to get to a head nodding story. And to get to that head nodding story, you have to understand societal changes that makes your problem, the problem you're solving more relevant today than ever before and tell them. And we've just come off a pandemic, Karen, where people are so sick of looking at digital meetings. Do you want to just go out and say, hey, let's do more and better digital meetings? That's going to fall flat. It's going to be dead. Right. You have to come out in a different way and you have to do it in a way that's really going to resonate with that sentiment that's out in the market today. I think all great brand positions actually have a number of people who secretly believe that thing and number of people who still have not come around to that way of thinking. Yes, I love that. That's a perfect summation. You're in a room, you tell that story and you have people, wow, I've always felt that way and no one has articulated it like that for me. And you have all of these people going, no, I don't believe that because that is not the way that I think about solving this problem. That is actually 
like when we did inbound marketing, you had such a group of marketers who had always traditionally marketed against using the kind of tactics that we said mm -hmm. were no longer going to be viable in the future. And so you have a group of people who are still holding on to that past, right? Yes. They want to hold on for dear life. We do not want these things to change. And I think what you're saying is, no, you want to have people who really feel that way. And the example you're given is, wow, we don't need more events. We need better events. Like the reason that the Zoom tagline was so good, make meetings happy, because people were like, yeah, meetings suck. <laughs> They're horrible. I hate meetings. Like I have not said this to anyone, but I just don't enjoy any second of these video meetings. They are horrible. And Zoom's simple tagline were, yeah, like let's make them happy. Better technology. It was literally two words, meet happy. Meet happy. That transforms Zoom, right? And Kieran, I love what you just said. I thought it was so important for everybody to hear that like very simple distillation of what needs to happen here. What I would add to that is people want to be the smartest person in the room. When you're thinking about your perception, think about it, the cocktail party test, mm. right? Everybody wants to be the cleverest, most smart person at a cocktail party, right? And so let's say in Keyshorn's case, he's marketing to marketers. Great gig. Marketers are awesome. Shout out us. Imagine there was a room of 50 marketers getting together, having a cocktail party, right? What is the story that if you told a couple of them that they'd be like, oh, great. I'm just going to tell this to everybody else because it's going to make me sound super smart, right? And that's how it works for you. That's what worked with inbound marketing. It was like, oh, yeah, this is right. It was like this obvious thing that I knew and felt. Like one of the points we made in inbound marketing was, oh, cool. So your job is you figure out how to send 10,000 direct mail adverts to people every day. And then you go home and you throw everything that's in your mailbox away. Well, that's, that, that's a complete contradiction. That doesn't seem right. And it's like pointing out those contradictions are really powerful. And so we want to give people a story that will pass the cocktail party test where they will feel smarter for having shared it and they will get street cred amongst their peers for having shared it. Right. And so if I'm Kishore and I'm the folks at Goldcast, that's the story I'm trying to get to. And it is, I think, admitting event fatigue is a real, real issue and that the way marketers are doing B2B events needs to completely change. Like, do we need more hour-long, boring, drawn-out B2B events? No. We live in a world where TikTok and YouTube Reels are ruling the world. And I would come out and embrace that. I would say, look, marketers, you want to know what the best performing B2B events are? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Let us show you how to do them. Like never, never meet for more than 15 minutes ever again. And look, look, these are all the things we're changing in our product roadmap to make that happen. And I know that you're going to want to do those boring events. We'll let you do those for a while, but we're telling you that there's a better way. Right. And our platform will help you do both, but do the new and better way. And the Kishore's question about how challenger brands can disrupt incumbents in terms of perception, yes. it really is that. You actually do have to have something that is wildly differentiated and you have to have conviction about that being the thing that matters and you have to have it built into your entire fabric of the company. Yes, love that. Like if you are just trying to keep perception, you're the challenger brand, there's an incumbent and you kind of just fold into the way that they talk about and describe the market, then you're really always going to be number two, three, or four, right? Yes. You have to change the way that people think about not just the competitor, but the entire problem. And I think that's what you're saying is, hey, we've just decided that the future of video is short from video. Yes. Whether you are recording that, whether it is live, whether you're having meetings, 
you know, hashtag growth hack for meetings. <laughs> Don't buy Zoom premium, only buy Zoom free. So you can only do 30 minute meetings, right? Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love that. But now what has Keyshore done? They have totally reframed the way that people think about video. And you're like, yes. hey, that incumbent is doing it the old way. Long, boring events, right? Like, cool. They're doing this all day, boring B2B marketing summit, right? And you're saying, no, let's do it a different way. Let's shrink it and do it completely different than how people are thinking about doing it, right? That is an example of play to win. Because you can be a number three or four brand and fold into the perception that has been created by the incumbent and fold into how people perceive this problems and the solutions. And you can be an okay business. I think the one that you are describing And the one that we are kind of describing is I bet the business decision. What we're saying here is that in the world of business today, most markets are moving to winner take all markets where the number one player in that market has 60, 70, 80% market share. And the other players have a really small, almost meaningless amount of market share. And you only get to number one by owning and changing that perception game in your market. And what you're saying and what you're advocating for is you have to take big risk on changing that perception. Otherwise, like the downside is not very bad. You know, you're better off to fail and be the last place person in that category than be the third place person in the category, right? The difference between last and third is tiny. The difference between first and second is cavernous in any business category. And one of the ways that you change and really become the dominant player in any category with 60, 70, 80% market share is through the perception and differentiated perception of your audience. The downside is big if you fold it into your product. Explain more. Tell, tell everybody more about that. So look, there's ways that you can actually de-risk this, but if you are trying to change perception in the market without a very opposing view, like being on the opposite end of the spectrum, so everything should be short from video. That is not, as you said, that risky. Like there's just some amount of time that you spend to do that. It doesn't land. You're like, okay, cool. We have to try again. Now, if you actually do that and fold those things into how you build your product, that to me is where the risk comes. Now I build my product in a way where I cannot change people's perception to want to use my product because the thing that I'm going to facilitate, I can't get people to believe that is the way something should be done. And I'm saying like, the part when you start to fold that into how you build your product is the part where it starts to become much more risky because now you have a product that you cannot change people's perception to go and use. It's way better to be a company with a point of view than a company that's just blindly following the majority of the market and is never going to differentiate and end up like a fifth, sixth, seventh place player in the market. Oh, I agree. I agree. So my question there then is how far ahead can your point of view be before your product needs to deliver on that point of view? Oh, that's a, that's a great question, Karen. Let me tell you about the early days of HubSpot. Early days of HubSpot, product wasn't great, people. It was not a great product. It was a great vision and it was a great story. And I have lived in a world of different lead times of the story and the product. I've lived where the story was two plus years ahead of the product. I've lived in a world where the, the story was 12 months in front of the product, six months. I think you can live six to 12 months ahead of your product. I think it's really, really hard to to go to that two year, like really far in because it's just, it's too far abstracted. But the great thing about this, like the advice we're giving the Goldcast folks, they could try some of this from a perception point of view 
do some small features to reinforce it and understand if there's traction in the market, whether it be this or any other idea they have, right? But when you think about differentiation, your story can be six to six to 18 months ahead of where your product is. Too many businesses out there get rooted in the here and now. Well, like, hey, this is what's true about my company today. So that's all I can say about my company. No, you can say where the company is going. Now you have to act on that. You have to build a product or a service offering to match that, but you have to be ahead of where your product is today. Right. And I will just leave with one other thing, which I think is motivation for challenger brands and brands who have not yet won the perception war or won the perception races. It is much harder to change perception when it has already been established. So when a company has established themselves around solving a problem in a particular way, it is near impossible to change how people perceive them, which is a great opportunity for other companies because if you can shift how people think about that problem and the ways to solve that problem, those companies become outdated much, much faster. There is a whole graveyard of companies and examples of companies in a book we give in a previous episode about positioning. Mm -hmm. When they become multi-products and try to change perception of what they did, their core product, which they built the entire business on, floundered and died because they got caught in the in-between, that kind of stranger things upside down world (laughs) where they were trying to change perception of themselves to become a multi-product company and leaders in multiple spaces and they could not make that happen. And then other companies kind of redefine that category and they become obsolete. And I think that is like one thing that if you are a challenger brand, it's a huge opportunity if you can truly do what Kip is saying, which is how do I redefine the way someone thinks about that? And how can I facilitate that change within my products? So I nail both the aspirational transformational message, but then I actually have the real product functional deliverable within the way I, that I help them solve that problem. I love that. What I would say is... If you are out there and you're trying to build a transformational story around your business, if you go and play by somebody else's rules, you're going to lose. It would be, you know, like, think about it. When you go out there, think the people who win the games are the people who teach the rules about, of how to play the game, right? Because they're the experts. They know the loopholes. They know everything about the ins and outs of the strategy around it. If you just, you know, if, if we walked into a soccer field right now, we'd lose. We'd get our asses handed to us. If we came up with our own game and we just started teaching everybody the rules of that game, wow, our odds of winning just went up astronomically. The same thing works in business. You have to set new rules of the game for the category and the product you're trying to build and play in. I love that. I actually love that. If you try to play the game where someone else has created the rules, you're likely always going to fall behind that person for sure always because they understand the nuance and the the ins and outs of the secret strategy of it all and also you know what the power is when you write the rules you're so thoughtful about what those rules are that they're just ingrained and it just like bleeds into all the strategy you do going forward right so we've done the perception show today huge shout out to kishore and the team over at goldcast.io let's recap here really quickly for everyone the core lessons that if you want to change perception for your business, what you need to do. I think we talked about a few things. The first was you have to have a differentiated story that tells your consumer the universal truth that isn't currently shared. And then the second part of that is we talked about the cocktail party test. 
How do you have a story that makes somebody in your industry sound smarter at a cocktail party that they're attending? And then Kieran, you gave a bunch of great examples. We talked about Eight Sleep as well in terms of how you take an early stage company and really build a transformational brand. We talked about how important content and storytelling is at an early stage around all of this to actually generate that shift in perception. What else do you think people need to take away, Karen? I think we talked about trying to change the rules that you play within. Like a lot of what we talked about is trying to redefine the rules that you play within so they are within your favor. That's how every great company person wins the thing that they want to win. Yes. I love the focus on the transformational story. The eight sleep example was great. Like they talk a lot about performance, not in relation to sleep, but just like performance. And they, that's why they sponsor the F1 team. But then connecting that into the functional part, which is how my product can deliver upon that. I think that delineation between brand transformational story and then the handoff to product marketing and the functional story is really important and is something that I think a lot of founders sometimes get a little bit confused on. So I think we, you did a really good job at nailing that. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hit us up at Kit Bodner on Twitter, at Search Brad on Twitter for Kieran. Let us know what you thought of the episode. If you have more questions, let us know if we should do more episodes around the topic of perception. This is a hot topic. Let us know. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Until next time, we've enjoyed having you on Marketing Against the Grain. Have a great week. Hold up. 